Good morning, good afternoon, and good evening, or whenever you may be listening. Welcome to episode 23 of the Hang Time with Halgie podcast. I'm your host, Luke Halgerson. You know how we do it. Five topics, unpopular opinion. Let's get to it. Topic number one. Folks, do we realize that college football is supposed to start literally a month from now? It is August 5th of the year 2020, and college football is supposed to start September 5th. That's when the Big Ten is supposed to kick off. It's so close, and yet during this coronavirus pandemic, I have a hard time believing that they're starting on time. This goes for college football and the NFL. So what I want to get to is one team, the first FBS team to back out of this season's college football is the University of Connecticut. That's right, UConn. They ain't playing this year. Last month, officially, officially left the American Athletic Conference, and it was announced on Wednesday that it is suspending its football program for the 2020 season because of the coronavirus pandemic. Look, UConn is an atrocious football team. They're absolutely terrible. They're not even good enough to be in the American Athletic Conference, the conference that UCF just cleans up on every year. Uh, you know, them and Memphis are the two decent teams in that conference, but that's it. It's slim pickings everywhere else. SMU has fallen off from what they were, the Pony Express. Everyone go watch that 30 for 30. USF, terrible. Just I can't even think of any other good teams besides UCF and Memphis that are even respectable in that conference. But UConn last year went 2-10 and in their final season with the American Athletic Conference. They're the first FBS program to suspend football. The Huskies were expected to go independent this year. So I'm sure that plays a big factor into it. They weren't going to be playing within a conference. They were going to have to figure out last minute how they were going to do games, especially with all these conferences moving to a strictly conference-only play. At this point, it's the only rational thing for them to do because they're already a bad program. You know, they were going to be independent. They don't have the rivalries like, uh, you know, Army, Navy, Notre Dames of the world who can compete independent because they can always fill a schedule. No one wants to play UConn. Yeah, maybe as a cream puff warm-up, but they're not going to get schlacked by every team. UConn's going to want to schedule a couple winnable games, but I think it only made sense. So after receiving guidance from state and public health officials, and consulting with football student-athletes, we decided that we will not compete on the gridiron this season, said UConn Athletic Director David Benedict in a news release. The safety challenges created by COVID-19 place our football student-athletes at an unexpected level of risk. You know, that, that's all true. You know, it, it's going to be a huge issue moving forward. Is why I talked about in the last episode that I love that the Pac-12 is speaking out and all the athletes are coming together and saying we need health care, we need to be protected. They, it's something that needs to be done. you got to protect these student-athletes. If UConn didn't see how it was viable to be able to do that, to even be able to schedule games, why even bother having a football season? Why even take the chance of putting these players at risk? I think it's a smart move for them to do it. You know, and at this point, just 
plan for the 2021 season when maybe we can get back to normalcy. But it it's just I think this has huge ramifications of if one school is going to back out, one mid-major, what's to say that some of these other mid-majors don't want to even take the chance, especially if they're in a state like Florida, Arizona, California, where coronavirus rates keep increasing. Uh, maybe these schools might call it off. This Will this have a trickle effect? Possibly. For mid-majors, it definitely could. For these Power 5 schools, the SEC schools of the world, the ACC, you know, you could the other ones, Big 12, Pac-12, Big 10. No, none of those schools are going to back out. I don't believe so anyways. I wouldn't imagine so. But I think for some of these mid-majors, it's definitely an option that's on, on the table for them. And remember, at this point, nothing's off the table. Not during this coronavirus pandemic and the constant news cycle that it brings, things could change on a dime. You never know what could happen. So I'm sure a lot of schools are considering this and I think it has huge ramifications. I think it has huge ramifications as on college sports as a whole that one FBS school is already calling it to football. Maybe they're just in a little different of a circumstance considering they're not in a conference. But I imagine the other schools that are independent, you know, Notre Dame's going to go play in the ACC this year. I imagine Army, Air Force, they're going to still figure out a way to have a 9-10 game schedule maybe even an eight-game schedule. I don't know. I'm sure they're still figuring out, but not a lot of time. Like I said, season starts September 5th. September 5th is when we're supposed to get college football. So these teams, backs against the wall. They got to make decisions, and they got to make them soon. Topic number two that I want to get to. If you're a sports fan and you aren't watching any of the sports that are going on right now, you should be ashamed of yourself. I was watching a basketball game last night, and it was an unbelievable game between the Portland Trailblazers and the Houston Rockets. It felt like a playoff game. The intensity was there. Big shots were made. Clutch plays were made. And a specific clutch play by one of my favorite players of all time, one of the most disrespected athletes of this generation, Carmelo Anthony, knocking down a big three to widen the lead for the Trailblazers to end up closing out the game. And what I want to talk about, I don't want to just talk about the game. I want to talk about what Damian Lillard said about Carmelo Anthony and said he's a Hall of Famer and they expect him to make those kind of shots. Look, if you don't think Carmelo Anthony is not a Hall of Famer, I I can't help you. I really don't think you know basketball at this point. You must be a casual and just think that, oh, he was atrocious with the Knicks. They got rid of him. He struggled with OKC. The Rockets got rid of him after 10 games. He can't play. Oh, that validates that he's not a Hall of Famer. I, I really can't, can't even have the conversation with you if that's your rationale because Carmelo Anthony is 1,000% a Hall of Famer. It's not even a question. His resume is far greater than a ton of other guys that have already made the Hall of Fame. He has a better resume. I'm just going to, right off the top of my head, better resume than Yao Ming, better resume than Grant Hill. Those are just two guys right at the top of my head that I would say it's not even a question. Carmelo Anthony is better than. You know, Tracy McGrady. I think Carmelo Anthony had a better career than Tracy McGrady, and yet McGrady will be in the Hall of Fame. Carmelo's a Hall of Famer. His resume speaks for itself. And I just need to read it down. Ten-time All-Star. He's a scoring champ in this league. Six-time All-NBA. Four-time Olympic gold medalist winner. 
He's a national champion. He won it at Syracuse his freshman year. Final four most outstanding player. He's 17th on the all-time scoring list. Carmelo Anthony is that dude. Only one of three players in NBA history to have a 20-20 game, 20-20, 20 points, 20 rebounds as a small forward. Only player in NBA history to score at least 50 points with no points in the paint. That's all jump shots, people. You can go up the, be- the unbelievable clip on YouTube of him scoring 50 points against the Heat, and he didn't take one layup. Not one point in the paint. Only player in NBA history to record at least 62 points and zero turnovers in a game. That's also, that's 62 points. That's also his career high. That's a Knicks record. We just love to glorify the Knicks, and I'm going to do it right now. Melo's one of the greatest Knicks to ever play. He's their all-time game-leading scorer. You know, he, the only reason the Knicks have been relevant this century is because of Carmelo Anthony. They've won one playoff series since, since in this decade. And it, Carmelo Anthony was the leader of that team. He, I think he's so underappreciated for the things that he does. Only player in NBA history to record 42-plus points, 17-plus rebounds, 6-plus assists in a playoff game. Only player in NBA history to do that. One of three players in NBA history to score over 10,000 points with two different franchises. The other two guys, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, Elvin Hayes. It's a pretty good company to be in. One of six players in NBA history to have 24,000 points, 6,000 rebounds, 2,500 assists, 1,000 steals, and 1,000 three-point field goals. You want to know who the other six players are? All future Hall of Famers. Kobe Bryant, Dirk Nowitzki, LeBron James, Paul Pierce, Vince Carter. One of five players in NBA history to score 50-plus points multiple times for two different teams. He's in a league company with this one. Again, the other guys, Wilt Chamberlain, Pete Maravich, Bernard King, LeBron James. Another thing that he's got, most consecutive points scored in a game. 26. It's the most consecutive points scored in a game. Carmelo Anthony. Youngest player to log a double-double in the playoffs. He was 19 years old in 331 days. Only player in NBA history to start first 1,000 games. Only player in NBA history to start first 1,000 games. Just, I I really can't talk basketball with you if you don't think Carmelo Anthony is a Hall of Famer. You just don't know the game. You don't understand basketball. You don't see the impact that he has had for teams. Yes, you could say he's only made it to one Western Conference Finals. He looked more for money than he did for winning championships. You know, he stayed with the Knicks in free agency. Maybe that's because he wanted to build something in New York and didn't want to join, you know, the likes of a Derrick Rose and Jimmy Butler and Joe Kim Noah with the Chicago Bulls. I can respect a man who wants to pave his own way and do his own thing. That's his choice. He's able to do that. But I don't, I, the disrespect that this man gets is unbelievable, and it's unacceptable. He's a future first ballot Hall of Famer. It's not even a question. There is no debate. He will get in unanimously. Unanimously, he will be in the Hall of Fame. Carmelo Anthony's a beast. And watch out for these trailblazers. 
I really do like them to be the ones either battling Memphis or surpass them for the eighth spot. Remember, a game and a half back, and they still got important basketball to play. I believe, what, five games left? Five games to go? They definitely have a, definitely have a chance. I like them either taking that eighth spot or, and def, or getting that ninth spot and playing in that little play-in best of three series. Who they're going to face, I don't know, but I like Portland getting there. I can tell you that. It's a tight-knit race, but give me Portland. Topic number three that I want to get to. Uh, back to college football we go. Amid these unprecedented times, the Big Ten reveals flexible 2020 football schedule. Like I said, football starts next month. September 5th is when the Big Ten is supposed to kick off. Like That's what they have scheduled right now. Yeah, but it is said both week one and week two could move back to one of the two open dates on the schedule. So this is their plan. The Big Ten name, their scheduling model, Jenga 41, a nickname Dorn of the document name on its Excel spreadsheet. Obviously, we've all played Jenga. Yeah, you pull the blocks, it comes tumbling down. The Big Ten officials nicknamed it because it was designed to have flexibility to move the season around, much like a malleable schedule. The Big Ten is uh, now scheduled to be the first major conference to kick off the 2020 season as the league's opening schedule is slated for September 5th. Like I said, week one and week two could be pushed back, and week three and four could be folded into bye dates. Overall, 41 of the 70 games in the conference only schedule can collapse into one of the two existing bye weeks hence the name Jenga 41 yeah again this is something that they have to do you have to come up with ways to have a chance to play a season because at some point baseball has already shown if you're not putting these guys in a bubble there's a definite chance that the coronavirus is going to spread through a team Within one of these conferences, it, it's inevitably, inevitably going to happen. Just think about it. We were all college students one, once. Partied like crazy. You did not live very clean lives. You know, yeah, everyone showered. But just think about the close proximity you are when, you at, when you're at the bar. Think about how close you're together and the kind of drinks you're sharing at parties. Maybe they'll be a little more conscious of this now that we're during the pandemic. But young people usually think they're invincible and can do anything. So these conferences have to come up with interesting strategies to be able to have a season. I actually like this idea, being able to move games around, and especially if they're only in conference. I don't see a problem with that. I mean, they already have the games scheduled. They already know what they're doing. So... The games are already in place. It really just comes down to can they go out there and compete. And I got to tell you, I'm really unoptimistic at this point with all these cases on the rise. Look, I don't think anyone in this age bracket is necessarily going to die from COVID-19, but they could pass it on to family members who are at risk. They could pass it on to other college students who have underlining conditions. Even the athletes themselves maybe have underlying conditions that I'm not aware of. And you got to protect these players. 
at all costs, you have to protect these players. It just it's what needs to be done. So I, I like that they're going to this. Uh, the conference instituted the strictest testing poli- uh, protocols in major college sports as athletes, coaches, and staff in sports with high risk of contract, uh, contact are required to take a minimum of two PCR tests for the virus each week. So they'll know. They're going to know if guys have it. I got to tell you, it's going to be tough to monitor these rosters of 80 college students. Again, I got to harp on it. We were all college students once. We all went out and partied. We all did our thing. And being on a football team, I imagine that just gets taken up to another level when it comes to partying. I I would think, you know, they're kings of the campus. They they got their free reign at everything. So they got to be careful. I really hope they're conscious of it and think more as an athlete rather than your typical college student who's going to go drink his brains out and party all weekend. I really hope they make the right decisions because it, it's going to be interesting. It's going to be really interesting to see how it plays out and if they are even able to start the season and finish the season and play a full season. But I'm excited for it. You know, these other sports have managed to start up. I was really pessimistic about baseball restarting with that negotiations, but they managed to figure it out. They had teams come down with the coronavirus, stop them for a few days, get it back up and running, have the other teams playing. Marlins just played last night after their 10-game hiatus. You know, teams are coming back. You might not necessarily be able to get the full season under your belt, but you can at least play some games. And it's just going to be really interesting to see also how the college football playoff situation plays out. I really think they just need to expand it. Expand it to six, preferably extend it to eight teams, and just keep it at eight teams for the rest of the time going to give all these conferences fair representation, including maybe the team that finishes in second in said conference. You know, I think all the, at least the Power Five conferences should have representation. And then if you go to A-team, you can include a couple second-place teams and also maybe throw in a mid-major in there, you know? Give one of these small schools your UCFs of the world, your Boise State to the world, who always overachieve as a mid-major. Give them a chance to compete at the highest level that is the college football playoff. Because uh, four is not enough. Four is not enough. So I hope they make the necessary changes and give us the best product that we could possibly get and get the get give these teams the best chance to compete for a national championship. But whew, can't wait to see how it plays out. Can't wait to see how it plays out. Topic number 4. Opt out day for the NFL is tomorrow. That's right. August 6th at 4 p.m. Eastern time if players wish to opt out he must provide his club with written notification by then. Whew. You know, it just comes up quick. And a lot of guys have backed out, surprisingly. 60 players have already opted out before the deadline. And I imagine we're going to have a few last-minute guys who are going to opt out as well. To designate a voluntary opt-out, a player must be under contract or subject to a tender. Players' contracts will toll all provisions of that contract for the uh, for the year, 
and will be applicable the following season. However, he will not receive an occurred season. The player will be eligible for a stipend of $150,000 to be treated as a salary advance against his told contract. An undrafted free agent, however, is not eligible for said stipend. To be designated uh, as a higher-risk opt-out, a player must have a diagnosis reflected in their medical records of at least one of the following factors, which are based upon a modified list of the CDC risk factors, cancer, chronic kidney disease, chronic obstructive pulmonary disease, uh, you know, a lot of different things, serious heart conditions, heart failure, uh, sickle cell, type 2 diabetes, asthma, cardiovascular disease, hypertension, high blood pressure, uh, HIV, just a lot of things, liver disease, who they could keep going. It's not mandatory for a high-risk player to opt out. A high-risk player opt-out will receive an occur, uh, season toward free agency and all benefits and minimum salary credited for a credit for accredited season and is also eligible for a stipend of $350,000, which will not um, constitute a salary advance. But like I said, 60 guys have already backed out. A lot of Patriots, you know, Dante Hightower, Patrick Chung, Marquise Lee, like some big name guys. Travis Benjamin's out with the 49ers, Marquise Goodwin out with the Eagles, Alan Hurts out for the Dolphins. You know, I'm just trying to see how many guys I actually know the name of, but it's a lot of guys. It's not a small number of players that are opting out. Clearly guys are worried about their health. And how could you not be? Like, the NFL is really given, like, no protocols on how they're going to handle the season. They haven't really done much to ensure that they can keep these players safe and healthy. I really don't know what they're doing other than going really just by the standard CDC guidelines of social distancing and face masks. But you can't do that while playing football. You can't social distance while playing football. Like, it's a contact physical sport. That's just how it works. So... I respect the play, players who back out. You know, I, I totally understand it. I, if they're concerned about their families and their well-being, I totally understand it. These higher-risk guys, how could you take the chance? How could you take the chance if you're a high-risk guy and you already know the threats that could happen? People are dying from this. People are dying from COVID-19. You can't take any chances with your health. Now, maybe you're a completely healthy guy, but maybe you just have like a newborn kid like Russell Wilson, or maybe you're one of your family members or fr friends has an underlying condition and you go to practice or you play in a game and you get it and then you come home and you give it to said family member or friend. That you could kill them. It just huge implications are at stake here. It, Something has to be done. I, they need a little more reassurance or guys are going to keep backing out. I imagine we're going to hear some names tomorrow of high, maybe some high-profile players who will back out deadlines tomorrow. Now, I know the super important superstar players, your Tom Brady's, Aaron Rodgers, the big-time quarterbacks, I don't think any of them are backing out. I would say the same thing with the big-time running backs, the big-time defensive pass rushers. I would say those guys, not they're not backing out, but... Some of these 
middle line, important players, yeah. Like a lot of offensive linemen are backing out. And, you know, offensive line is the most underrated position on the football field. No one gives them enough credit. If you have a good offensive line, you usually have a pretty good team because you're protecting your quarterback and giving them time to throw. But I'm just seeing on this list a lot, a lot of offensive linemen have backed out. So, uh, like I said, I'm I'm pessimistic on this football season. I just I have a hard time believing that they're going to be able to start on time, play a full 16 game season, and then have the F- Super Bowl in February. I just I have a really hard time believing that this can all happen with everything that's going on in our country right now with this pandemic. It just, it just is not looking good at all. So I really hope the NFL figures something out. And again, I don't think I don't think the NFL can go into a bubble. I really don't think you can have 30 teams. Just think about the size of an NFL roster. Basketball can do this. You know, there's only 15 guys on a roster. You got six to eight coaches and then a few team staff members. You know, that's 30 people at most. And I say that's a generous number, too. You look at NFL, okay, 30 just for staff altogether for the NBA. Yeah, it's 53-man rosters for the NFL. And I imagine they're going to have to have expanded rosters because what if a guy goes down with COVID? And then obviously it's football. Guys go down with injuries left and right in that sport. You really do need backups to the backups to the backups. You need guys who are able to come in at any moment because guys could be going down left and right. And guys maybe at some point during the season decide to opt out and not finish the season if things are getting really hectic. So I don't think the NFL can go into a bubble. So 53-man rosters. Coaching staffs for football teams exceed 10-plus guys. Okay, then that doesn't even include the medical staff that has to take care of all these players. That doesn't include the front office staff that has to be included with all these players and teams, all the personnel that goes into running a football team. It's a lot of bodies. I would say minimum 80 people. Like, that's just a rough guesstimate of what I would guess off the top of my head. 80 people per per team, 30 teams, 2,400 people, if I can do math off the top of my head. But that just seems like a lot of people. And where in the world is there a bubble that has enough fields to accommodate all that many people and that many games? I don't see it. Where is this facility? Where is this facility where there's magically... 30 teams, 30 practice fields for these teams to be able to be able to practice. And then another, you got to at least cut it in half. If you're going to have 16 games, you know, got to cut it in half. So there's got to be 16 fields that they can play at. And I imagine they at least have to have some form of stands. And it, but the problem is teams are already announcing that some of them are going to have fans. So clearly they're not going to a bubble. The bubble is out of here. So people got to let this idea that the NFL might have to go into a bubble. I don't think they can. I don't think there's any facility in the United States that can accommodate this many people and to be able to play this many games. It just, I don't see it. I, I really don't see the bubble happening. So that's why I'm very pessimistic on this season being, being com- completely full. I think they'll find a way to finish the season, but I don't, I have a hard time believing 16 games is going to happen for a regular season. 
full playoffs. And Super Bowl in February, it just it doesn't seem like a lot of time, and things really aren't getting that much better here. You know, these cases are not going down. At, you know, they always said second wave. We did all these measures, but, you know, it just never got better. You know, it went down a bit, and then it just skyrocketed right back up. It's been a disaster how this has been handled by our government. And then, you know, some of these sports have figured it out. You know, baseball is just like we're doing it. We hope the players abide by the protocols that we have in place, and that's the way they got to do it. They got to police themselves. Basketball is like, you know what? We got the small enough rosters. We're going to go into a bubble. Major League Soccer started in the bubble to then expand into the regular season where they will be playing games, you know, at their home stadiums at some point. But it's just a lot of bodies for NFL rosters and teams. It's just a lot of people to accommodate. So bubble is off the table for football, in my opinion. I don't see how it's possible. But I guess we wait and see. We wait and see. Topic number five. You know, I was surprised it took so long for this to come up again because the National Anthem Police were real quiet this first week of the uh, the NBA starting. You know, all these guys, every team was taking a knee. These players, coaches, staff, everyone was taking a knee. They got great commercials that talk about Black Lives Matter and wanting to make a difference. Players are wearing shirts, talking about it in their press conferences. And, you know, the National Anthem Police were very quiet. I was shocked with how just quiet they have been considering how out there with the protests the NBA has been. Entire teams are taking a knee together. You know, there's been... The, the stories are the guys who don't knee. You know, you're Jonathan Isaac. You know, I spoke on him, you know, not taking a knee, and that's his belief. He has every right to believe that, just like every player has the right to take a knee if they want to. You know, that's why this country is so great. Freedom of choice. Freedom of expression. Freedom to petition, i.e. protest. It's the most beautiful thing. And the pol- anthem police, they were quiet until our pre- old president, old President Trumpy, coming in with the hot take, as always. Just He's always just letting it fly. You know, I got to tell you, he is just terrible. But we're not picking sides here. Biden sucks, too. So don't, don't think I'm play- we're playing this political game on this show. We are unbiased politics here on the Hang Time with Helgi podcast. I don't side with any political party. I think they're both terrible. I think they're god-awful. I think both candidates are a disgrace to the democracy that this country has built. And the last few candidates have just been terrible. But I digress. Trump, back full force. We already know how he feels. Kneeling, he's not a fan of it. He doesn't like it at all. I don't understand I've spoke about this before, and I really just don't understand why we are so offended by people extending their First Amendment right. I feel like I just, I need to read it. I need to read what Amendment Number 1 of the U.S. Constitution states. I'm going to read it verbatim so everyone knows what it means. And here is what it says. Congress shall make no law respecting an establishment of religion or prohibiting the free exercise thereof or abridging the freedom of speech or of the press 
or the right of people peaceably to assemble and to petition the government for a redress of grievances, i.e., protests. Let me just give you a rough synopsis of what that means real quick. The First Amendment guarantees freedoms concerning religion, expression, assembly, and the right to petition, i.e., protests. It forbids Congress from both promoting one religion over others and also restricting an individual's religious practice. It guarantees freedom of expression by prohibiting Congress from restricting the press or the rights of individuals to speak freely. It also guarantees the rights of citizens to assemble peaceably and to petition their government, i.e. protests. The First Amendment right gives everyone the opportunity to peacefully protest about whatever topic they feel is necessary to protest about. That's why we live in the greatest country. We got free speech. We're allowed to speak out on issues that we are offended by and that we're against. We're allowed to talk about these things. We're allowed to bring up what we do and don't like. And for people to just disagree, oh, kneeling is disrespectful to this country. I disagree. I wholeheartedly believe it's one of the most American things that you can do because you're expressing and using your right to peacefully protest. You have the right to do that. It's the most American thing you can do is to use your rights that you're given. That's what this country is all about. Use the rights that are given to you as a citizen of this country. We have rights. This is what we can all do. And for someone to be against that, I, I would call that Marxist, you know, making people do things a certain way. You know, I, I believe communism is a good way. You know, China's a great example about this. You know, th- you're not allowed to do things over in China that you have the right. You can't talk about bad about the government over there. They'll arrest you. They'll arrest you in China if you speak bad, poorly about the government. That's why these NBA players froze up when Daryl Morney said he stands with Hong Kong. You know, they froze up because it's like, if they say anything bad or agree with Maury on this issue, if maybe they knew had the consciousness of mind to come to that sediment and agreed with him, the government could say, okay, you're arrested. You know, Pooh Bear. Pooh Bear is banned in that country because it was used as a joke by Chinese citizens to make fun of their leader over there. <laughs> Pooh Bear, Winnie the Pooh, is banned in China. Just think about that for a second. A child cartoon book character is banned over there because it's a political joke about their leader. Uh, Like, they don't have freedom of expression over there. They don't have freedom of speech. Here in America, we got the freedom of choice and speech and the right to express ourselves. And if you want to express yourself by protesting during the national anthem about police brutality and systemic racism in our society, go right ahead. Do it. Be American and use your rights that were given to you. That's what I'm going to say. So that's why these national anthem police, I'm really tired of you. You're really just, you're a bigot. That's all, that's all it comes down to. You just don't like people who disagree with you. And it's okay to disagree in this country. 
You can still be cordial with people and disagree about different things. That is okay. I really hope you don't agree with everything someone says. That would be a disservice to yourself and your thinking. You should be ashamed of yourself if that's how you think. If all you do is just agree with someone. Yeah, there should be disagreements. There should be discourse. We should discuss these things. There are topics that are tough to talk about but need to be talked about. But here in America, we're allowed to do those things. And the problem is, people, if you don't agree with each other, they hate you. You're hated. But we need to change that mindset. We need to go back to being able to have discourse with people that we don't always agree with. It's okay to be, you know, a Christian and be friends with a Muslim. It's totally acceptable and should be encouraged for that to be a thing. If you don't agree with someone's political views, you shouldn't just outright hate them. You should discuss with them. What don't you agree with them? Why don't you agree? Come to a consensus, people. Discourse. Discourse is the most important thing. Talk to each other. Have conversations. It's a beautiful thing to discuss and debate with people in a cordial way. It's okay to disagree. You're allowed to disagree, but just be respectful to those people who don't disagree with you. And again, this revolves back to old Trumpy. Trumpy. This is what Mr. Trump had to say about them kneeling. I think it's disgraceful. We work with uh, the NBA in quotes. Uh, the work we work very hard trying to get them open. I was pushing them to get open, and then I see everyone kneeling during the anthem. It's not acceptable to me. When I see them kneeling, I just turn off the game. I have no interest in the game. Now, that's a shame, Trump, because it's some good basketball. You're letting your ridiculous ideology take you away from some great people and some great live sports, and it's a shame. You should be ashamed that you have such a limited mind capacity to have that line of thinking. It's embarrassing. You should be ashamed. This goes out to anyone. If if you don't like them kneeling during the national anthem, I guess you don't like people. I don't you don't like people using their rights. That's all I have to say about that. Rant over. Unpopular opinion. You know, I gotta harp on it again because I think it's important. I'm willing to do part two of no sport is boring. That's right. I think all sports are in some form exciting. And the reason I need to do it again is because I forgot to include some sports that I hear people say are boring, but really aren't and are great. Yesterday, I kind of mentioned, you know, baseball, uh, hockey, just a few to be named that people say are boring, are no fun. Soccer is another one I mentioned yesterday. I forgot to include uh, tennis. Tennis is a great sport. You just, again, you don't know what you're watching. You don't realize they're running like 13 miles a match. Just look it up. Look up what these pro athlete tennis players, uh, the kind of mileage they're putting on just during one match. They're averaging like 10 plus miles a match, huh? And these matches go f- sometimes for hours. Even one has gone for days. <laughs> days, a tennis match. The kind of conditioning that these guys have is unbelievable. And another thing, just look up how hard they're hitting that tennis ball. It's coming out over 100 miles per hour. 
Imagine standing in front of that and having to hit it back at the other guy. It's absolutely incredible. Ping pong itself, I think, is exciting, too. That's already difficult enough. Imagine going to a bigger surface with bigger rackets and guys hitting the ball even harder. Oh, it's unbelievable. The hand-eye coordination that these guys have, the skill that they have, uh, it's unappreciated. Just tennis is another one. I think another one, people say, oh, it's boring. Golf. Now, it's really easy to say that golf is boring if you've never golfed before. And everyone knows, if you've played sports before, you know how difficult golfing is. Even if you just go to Top Golf, just go, just go to the range. Go to Top Golf, go to a driving range, and you try to hit balls. Just go hit a round of balls and see how difficult it just is to hit the ball straight. Okay? Then go for distance. Okay, now use a different club. All right? And now get pinpoint precision to come within five feet of the hole. I guarantee you're not going to do it. You just can't. These guys are incredible at it. And you might say, oh, the, even the professionals are inconsistent. Well, duh. Golf is an extremely mental game. It's very difficult. It's a small ball that you have only so much control over with your swing and your club. It's really precision. There's a lot of strategy to golf that just doesn't get noticed. Just, I recommend everyone. Everyone go play a round of golf, and you tell me it's boring. Golf is so fun. Nothing better than on a major Sunday, you know, watching the Masters, having a nice brewski, and watching Tiger win another major. You tell me that's not exciting. You know, just going back and forth, seeing the incredible shots that these guys have from the sand, from all over the place. They're hitting it out of the rough. They're hitting it behind from behind trees, and they're with pinpoint accuracy. Just some of the shots that these guys hit is unbelievable enough. Golf doesn't get enough love. And, you know, yeah, it's a little slower. You don't see it. It's a little tamer. Yeah, old people can play it and are decent at it. But, no, these professionals take it to the next level when it comes to golf. Very underappreciated. So tune into some golf, people. First major is this weekend. That's right. U.S. Championship. Let's get it. Golf is Golf is back. Sports are back. But that's another sport that doesn't get enough love. I just, every sport is exciting. I'm I'm even going to go out on a limb here and say that Texas Hold'em, the World Series of Poker, is exciting. They're betting so much money on it, which intensifies it. There's a lot of strategy as far as manipulating guys and thinking you have one hand compared to another. There's just entire strategies that you're not paying attention to. Oh, you think poker face. Oh, you're not giving away good cards. Well, what if you have good cards but nothing good's on the table but you manage to bluff your way to winning a huge amount of money? There's a lot of strategy and skill that goes into poker that you don't even pay attention to. And I'll I'll give them even the benefit of the doubt with some endurance too because these poker tournaments, to be able to sit at a table for those long, extensive hours... You know, that takes some skill. And then to be able to still have the mindset to make calculated decisions on what cards are coming, who could possibly have what, what are your chances of winning this, what kind of bet you want to place at this time. It's a lot of things to keep track of. They are brilliant mathematicians, these poker players. They, I, and again, I'm not that big a fan of poker, but I can respect the sport and see how people can find it not boring. 
because there is so much strategy and underlining things that we just don't see when it comes to the game. I think even another sport, you can't, all these Olympic sports, I would say like swimming. Swimming is extremely exciting when these guys are breaking world records, like your Phelps of the world, your Lochtees of the world. Just, it's incredible to watch. The Olympics always has great ratings every year. There's a reason why, because it's exciting. Even the track and field events, when you're watching Usain Bolt break the world record for the 100-meter dash, and he looks like he's not even trying. Just, they're moving faster than no human has ever moved before. They're breaking boundaries. It's not boring. It's so exciting. These gym, you know, people say, oh, gymnastics is boring. No. You ever tried to do a cartwheel? I can't do it. You ever tried to do a backhand spring into double flip? No. I don't know what they're doing out there, but they're doing things that are incredible. Even the diving competitions for swimming is unbelievable. Just there's every sport, like I said, there is no sport that is boring. You can get some entertainment and some enjoyment out of every sport. But what it comes down to, people just don't know what they're looking at. You don't know what you're watching. It's a very simplistic and easy mindset to just say, oh, it's boring. No, you just don't get it. You just don't understand it. That's why you're not a true sport savant, like I would consider myself. And that is the end of episode 23 of the Hang Time with Helgi podcast. Thanks for listening. Until next time. You know, check out my social media pages. Interact with me. If you ever want to talk about a certain topic, if you see me talk about something, feel free to reach out. I'm happy to talk sports with you any time of the day. Sports are life, baby, and sports are back. But remember, during this coronavirus pandemic, wash your damn hands. All right, I'm out. Peace. Peace.